Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 1st of September 2020, huh? Fucking springtime, dude. Have it fucking in ya. Um, it's been, it's been nice. Let me see how this video is going. Oh, when do you, well, let's take bets this week. How long do you reckon until the video that I'm trying to record fucks up and I fucking flip out again? (laughs) Isn't that great? Isn't that your favorite part of the podcast is listening to me deal with my tech issues. It's tech issues and emotional issues. We got all sorts here. Let me have some tea. Yum, I got a new one, just like the old one, but it costs more and it's in a different package. Um, It's called, what's it called? Afternoon tea and it's in like a kind of green, tealy kind of um, colored thing. And it's supposed to be more subtle and interesting. And I just taste normal fucking tea, mate. Yeah, look, I'm still putting off the the foray into... um, in a drinking tea. Oh, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm feeling pretty good this week. The numbers are going down in Melbourne. Oh my God. The, the last week or so has seen some fucking just big dramatic drops. Saturday, Saturday, this Saturday just gone. Probably um, the best day for me on a personal level in a long, long time. Like in months Maybe years. <laughs> nah, definitely not years. Um, but yeah, man, like this Saturday. I don't know. I've been kind of... I'm going to tell you guys this thing because who cares? But I was on a Skype chat to some mates on Sunday and I kind of... Skype? Jesus. How old am I? 29. Um, on a Zoom chat. We don't use fucking Skype anymore. Bill Gates is cancelled. I was on a Zoom chat with some friends on Sunday and I toyed with, like, I was like saying, oh, I don't know if I should tell you guys this, but fucking whatever. I went to my mate's house on Saturday, defying stage four um, restrictions. But I just, listen to me rationalize it now. I just feel like I don't care. (laughs) There you go. Will that hold up in court? Your Honor, I understood the law. I didn't care. So, give me a pass. Uh, um, <laughs> um, the dude just fucking throws that gavel at your head. And uh, I just, I don't know, man. Like Saturday, all right. So Friday night, I, uh, I, I got a friend who both of her housemates are away. She lives in Northcote. It's within five k's of my house. And, uh, yeah, both of her housemates aren't here. So I'm going over there, sleep in the spare room. And then like, I don't have to go home after eight so we can hang out. We had dinner, like made each made a dish. I brought a dish around to hers. She made a thing and then we put them together and, and you know, that's how food works sometimes. (laughs) And then, um, we, uh, oh, we watched a fucking Daniel, man, Daniel Kitson, uh, that I watched it. Like a few months ago, it's um, the interminable suicide of Gregory Church, and it was a show of his that I watched when he put it out. When he kind of did like live showings of it, not live, but like he'd recorded it ten years ago, and then he made it like a you know you can only buy so many tickets to view it, as there would have been in the seats in whatever theater he was going to do the show in before coronavirus. Um, 
and then made them like specific time showing. So it was kind of like seeing a live show. Anyway, I watched it like three months ago and I loved it. And then Saturday night, I'm like to my friend, hey, dude, we are watching this. It's so good. You're going to fucking love it. Like I just remembered how much I loved it. And um, and then like it was just on Vimeo. Like who puts their fucking content on Vimeo? I mean, I guess Daniel Kitson does his own thing. Maybe there's some positives to it business-wise that I don't understand, but it just was so high paid for it. And then we couldn't get it to work on a TV and then it froze a couple of times and then... Like, we couldn't get it to cast over from her fucking laptop. Ugh. We ended up watching it on after, like, literally an hour and then, like, me thinking that it wasn't going to work and I start sulking because I've, like, got my mind set on this is what we're doing and then we finally got it to work and um, we watched it and I was just very aware of the fact that, like, the funny parts are where he riffs and the bits that weren't that funny that I really got into are, like, I just, yeah, she, I just fucking, she didn't really love it that much. She was like, it was good. And I was like, it's okay. You can say you hated it. Fuck. There's so much pressure, isn't it? When you pick the thing, they're like, all right, we're watching this thing. And um, I'm watching it for the whole second time, just like with this critical eye, trying to watch it through her eyes and pick whether she's liking it or not. And yeah, that was so fucking stressful. Maybe you have to have seen Kitson live. I can't even... Who the fuck was saying that? The guys on, on uh, 25 Days were talking about seeing Kitson live as being this touchstone of, like, modern arts festival wankery, isn't it? That it's, like, such a... I, they said that in the last episode of 25 Days, they made fun of the kind of people who were saying, like, have you seen Kitson live? Because that's such a thing. Because you kind of have to see him live because he doesn't really put out content. And he's put that out now. And it's not the same. I think you do have to see him live. Because he's amazing. Am I being a wanker by saying that? Because I've seen him live like four times. And every time it's amazing. Oh my God, the special, the, the show that he did, Keep, that's three hours long. And you're not allowed to leave the theater <laughs> the whole time. He made like, if you leave to go to the toilet, you can't come back in. So you just can't see the show. And I, my blad- I, I don't have a three-hour bladder. I got like an hour and a half bladder comfortably. And if you put pressure, it's more, God, that show was hard. I reckon I didn't drink water for like... <laughs> it sounds like I was in training for a fucking fight, trying to cut water weight. I'm like peeing, you know, not drinking for like four hours before the show. I'm like, I'm going to go in. I'm not going to need to pee the whole time. Um, but that show was amazing. Like maybe he's onto something that you do have to fucking be in there and in the room to see it live because yeah, my friends and I just I thought she'd loved it. I thought she would love it, and I I don't know. Maybe it was too. There's something that, uh, really struck me at the start of the show. He says, uh, "I think it's so smart." I didn't realize he did it the first time. He goes, "Everything I'm about to say is made up and is a lie, but this is true." And then he just starts telling the story and he never changes gears from like, this is true to like, now this is the lie. So you just have to decide what part is made up and what part is, where does the line between what's real and what's not. Ah, so smart, man. It's so fucking cool. It's like the end of that show. I think I've talked about it on the pod before when he says uh, at the end of one of his shows called Dancing, tells all these stories about love and dancing and whatever. 
And then the end of the show is he goes, I was doing a trial of this show in London a month before The Fringe and uh, my friend Ivor Dembina's room. By the way, Ivor Dembina, comic from London, not the kind of person who I would expect to be mentioned as a shout-out in Daniel Kitson. Just a kind of weird old school figure. Not bad or anything, but just like... It was it was interesting and nice to hear Ivor get it. Shout-outs to Ivor Dembina. What are his shows? His show's called like Old Jewish Jokes or something like that. And he just does all like one-liners about being Jewish. Anyway, um, so he goes, yeah, I was doing a, doing the trial at my friend Ivor Dembina's room. And after the show, he came up to me and he said, uh, great show, Daniel. Uh, it's about love again, I see. And I said, is it? Oh, I kind of thought it was about dancing. And he said, a great thing. He said, well, love, dancing, kind of the same thing, isn't it? And I thought that was really nice. So I've made it the end of my show. Thank you very much. That, that, man, that succinct, just perfect. The, oh, that's when I was talking about it. The graceful dismount. It's just like to end a thing is the hardest. It's it's hard to start and it's hard to end. In the middle is just bullshit, isn't it? It's hard to start something and then it's hard to end properly. And that is just the perfect ending that ties everything up in a little bow. And those are the kinds of moments that Kitson is capable of. And that's why you got to go fucking see him live and don't watch him on an iPad. Uh, on an, I- on, on an I- iPad. All right. <laughs> Clearly, I'm getting emotional. But that night was just great. And then Saturday, it was sunny. It was temperate. The weather was mild. We got coffees. I sat in the yard and read my book. My friend was baking cake. She fucked it up the first time. And so I had to go get her groceries and then she could make it better the second time and follow the recipe. And then I got to eat all the little scraps from the first time. I mean, honestly, just a great fucking day, you know? And it's like, I didn't feel bad. I know the restrictions are like, you're not supposed to go to anyone's house or whatever, but... Intimate partner. I mean, yeah, we're not fucking, but we're emotionally intimate, all right? <laughs> I told myself I wouldn't make that joke on the podcast because it feels a bit whatever, but... <laughs> Just a bit of fun, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. I but What I'm trying to say is I broke the rules. I broke the law. But it also doesn't feel... Like I actually did anything wrong. And I said that to my friends and I've said it to a couple other people and no one is of the opinion that I'm doing anything wrong. And it doesn't feel like I am, but by the letter of the law, I absolutely am doing something wrong. And uh, I mean, look, we have now 12 days left of lockdown. And that day, Saturday, so Friday night I stayed there and Saturday was just the best day. And also because the the numbers went below 100 for the first time. We had 96 cases and it just felt like a real... It just felt like a real turning point and felt like we're going to get through this. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt. Um, I mean, yes, I mock myself and my feelings, but I also I have them and that's how that is how I feel, that we're going to get through it, man. It's going to fucking be okay. And today's the first day of spring. If you count it the way that I did when I grew up and then when I went to the Northern Hemisphere, they do it from the solstice. But fuck your solstice. The 1st of September. First day of spring. Um, Yeah, we've got 12 days left. 
of this stage four lockdown. And apparently on Sunday, Dan Andrews, King Andrews, uh, Victorian Premier Dan Andrews, is uh, releasing his roadmap for like how we're going to get out of the of the fucking you know. What's the word? De-escalate the stages back to some sort of COVID normal or whatever. And it just feels like we're so close. We're so close. And if, like, after we get out, I don't think we're going to be allowed 20 people around houses anymore, but maybe two weeks after that, maybe I'm allowed to have a fucking show. I've actually, I've got a couple bars in mind for if I can't have shows at home. Places that I might approach to have shows, I just, we're so fucking close, man. I was talking to a friend um, last week just about, like, I guess my mindset has kind of changed a little bit into the positive where before I was just like, why is this happening to us? And I still feel like that. It feels very, I feel like we've been cheated out of fucking six months or a year of our lives and all of that stuff. But... um I remembered something from, I don't even know what it was from, but someone said basically the way they think about being creative when someone steals something from you, like a joke or something that you've made, the valuable thing that you have as a creative and as a person and in the workforce and anything, it's not the things that you produce, it's the mind or the person that produced those things because like you can produce that thing again, but if someone stole it from you, they've just got that one thing. And if someone steals it from them, they have nothing. But if someone steals from me, yeah, I lost that thing, but I can make more of that thing. It's like, uh, give a man a fish and he still doesn't know how to catch fish. So he's a fucking idiot and you can. So suck shit, loser. I think that's how Jesus said it. I don't know how suck shit loser is translated into the fucking. (laughs) Into what's their fucking stupid language again? Hebrew. Um, I don't even know what it sounds like. Fucking Jesus Christ. Aiden. Why? I was trying to do an impression of a Jewish person then and it just sounded so racist. I genuinely apologize for that. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? All right, anyway. Fuck. That, that is probably the worst thing that I've ever done on this podcast. Jesus Christ. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> garden update. <laughs> uh, last week I was talking about the buried bricks under my yard because um, I planted the grass germinated, by the way. Just some of it, little fucking bits. Um, oh, I didn't pick a picture for this week. Where's my telephone? I'll, I'll fucking I'll pick a picture. I'll pick a picture in a little bit. Maybe the picture will be the grass. I, um, last week I was talking about the bricks that I found. I dug like 15 bricks out from underneath my fucking dirt in my yard. And, uh, I had a few theories. A couple of people messaged me saying it might be this, it might be that. One person messaged me and said that it might be like a sinkhole, which I don't know exactly what that is. I guess my understanding of it was a place where water accumulates or is meant to accumulate and soak into the thing. And then to take the bricks out is like bad. Or something, um, but 
I don't think so because it wasn't near a downpipe. Me and this person were talking. But so basically that person was concerned that I'd fucked with some integral part of the house, um, the water table. But someone from TAFE who uh, – my online TAFE course, the horticulture thing, who's been in landscaping for like 20 years said um, – because I'm in Brunswick and it was formerly like an industrial part of Melbourne, it could very well be that whatever was here before, like maybe some, you know, twenty like early 20th century industry type building um, could have the land got rezoned for residential and whoever built this house, literally just there were bricks on the ground, like a path or something, they would have just put dirt straight over the top of it. That's so, that's so crazy to me. They just put dirt over the top and then they just build on top of it. I don't know if everyone assumes the way I do. Like when you see a, a huge thing, like an organized, like a city, you know, somewhere like Melbourne where like this is a major city in the world, in Australia definitely and like really in a global context as well. And geopolitical kind of, what the fuck am I talking about as if I know? But anyway, it's a big city, there's a lot of people, it's, there's a lot of organisation and whatever goes into a thing like this. And I guess, knowing that, I assume that when you do something like build a house, there has to be a bit more planning and you can't just go, we'll just chuck dirt over the what was there before and build on top of it. That's what I assume, but evidently you fuck you can. You can just do that. Isn't that crazy that people do that? That we have such little regard. I guess it's just laziness. You're like, well, I mean, if we just throw the dirt up, we could take all of these bricks out and put them somewhere and use them again, but it just it's a lot of hard work for not our own personal gain. I mean, you know, maybe our boss might make some money or whoever, but we're not making the money. So fuck it. We'll just bury the bricks. And um and then it leads to shit like I'm digging in my garden fucking 50, 60, 70, however old this house is years later. And then and there's just bricks under the ground and there's shit just buried everywhere, you know? Or you think like like you hear about like old ruins, you know, from in Europe from like hundreds of years ago being dug up when someone's excavating land to build a house and they dig up all these ruins and you're like, wow, it's crazy that these old civilizations just the stuff was just left there. And I guess my assumption is like that would never happen now. You know, we would never just bury a house. Like I, I think I had an incorrect idea of how things get buried. I thought shit got buried because it was just left there for ages and then slowly dirt accumulated. But it's evidently just happens all at once. Some cunt just goes and buries all the shit. And it kind of... I guess what I'm trying to say is people have always been very slapdash and shortcuts and, and careless in the way that we do things. And it's just, it's staggering, the carelessness and the fact that no one is really in control. Like I see a big city like Melbourne and I, it just, I assume, wow, someone must really be in control here to make this happen. And then you dig bricks out of your backyard and you're like, no one's in fucking control. And I saw this thing uh, the other week. I read about it in, in, in the news um, that the oh, – not in docs. Where the fuck is it? The um, 
the public-private partnership initiated by the Trump administration to facilitate and accelerate the development, manufacturing, and distribution of COVID-19 vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics. So basically, the big effort in America that's been like institutionalized and formalized and whatever to work towards a coronavirus vaccine, you know what they've called it? Operation Warp Speed. That's the name of this huge thing that's like the most important thing in the world right now is COVID-19 and they've got all of these resources together to tackle this crisis and they've called it Operation Warp Speed. And for me, if that's not proof that there is literally no one at the helm, I don't know what is because you wouldn't even call your fucking dog. I had that thought. You wouldn't call your dog Operation Warp Speed. Like that's just such a stupid name. Are these people taking nothing seriously? Who was allowed to, who was like, oh, let's call it Operation Warp Speed and they're like, done. Trillions of dollars worth of government funding and we'll call it a name from Star Trek. Some guy who's just fucking got the next generation on fucking DVD, been watching it all weekend. <laughs> it's like, we, we got to do this quick. You know what else is quick? The Starship Enterprise. So let's fucking get out the naming the the label gun and put put all the fucking labels on our microscopes operation warp speed it is so stupid and it's kind of scary to contemplate that that's the those are the people who are at the helm those are the people who are in charge of uh, in char- i guess are in charge and it's like are they really in charge no they're not no one's fucking in charge everyone's just fumbling around in the dark you know trying to find a light switch and then I, th- I just, I did, I went off on a tangent. I was like, um, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of ridiculous things that you could name Operation Warp Speed to show, you know, contrast how ridiculous I think that name is. But all I could think of was a dog. And then I was like, you know what? That actually would be a pretty fucking sick name for a dog. Operation Warp Speed. To call your dog that, I reckon that'd be nice. And then, and then, because I'm a psycho, my next thought was, what if, <laughs> what if that dog died? <laughs> Why was that my first thought? Operation Warp Speed. This is the name of this dog, and like at first, you would call it that as a joke, but then the name would stick. And you, like, if it was me, I would make a point every time. I wouldn't call like shorten it to like Operation or Warpy or any bullshit like that. Every time you're down the dog part, you're like. Go on, Operation Warp Speed. Come on, mate. Operation Warp Speed. Get in the car. Operation Warp Speed. Stop humping that woman's leg. Operation Warp Speed. You've killed another child or whatever things your dog does because you don't train it properly. And then I imagined, yeah, so I'm like, you know, eventually that becomes the name of your dog and you actually grow to associate those words with, you know, your dog who you love. And then, and then like it gets hit by a car and you see it and you... <laughs> You run out into the street and your dog's there like, oh, and you're like saying goodbye to your best friend in the middle of the street and it's raining and there's like a couple neighbours standing at their doors looking out at you, holding their kid. No, don't. Look away. Look away. And you're in the middle of the street going, Operation Warp Speed! (laughs) Anyway, that's what I was thinking of when I dug those bricks out of my backyard. Mm. <sighs> why is it always why does it always have to be about a dead dog, Aiden? 
Why? Why does it always go? Why does? Why do I have to imagine the things that I love dying? Anyway, maybe it's because I'm scared that they'll leave me of their own accord, so I have to kill them in my mind before they can. <sighs> Piano update. Uh, <laughs> so, um, oh man, what what fucking picture am I gonna do this week? Let's fucking. I got therapy today at four. I got therapy with you guys now at uh, times one forty-two, and then I got therapy at four. Oh, I know what picture I'll do. Do I? Will I do another picture of me, or will I do a picture? No, will I do a picture of my friend at dinner making a stupid face? That is what I'll make a picture of this week. Yes, this week's picture will be a picture of my friend sitting at the table of the dinner that we had. Just making the most ridiculous face. I'll check with her before I do it, but she better be fine with it because I've told you guys that's what I'm going to do and I don't want to get 54 messages going, it's not that, it's grass, Aiden. Where's the picture of your friend? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, um, Yeah, piano. I can't remember if I've talked about this, but I kind of want to start talking about it more just to track my progress with it. I've been playing uh, Chopin's Nocturne in C minor for like all of lockdown and I'm getting pretty fluent at it. There was a time when I felt like I learned all the notes. It took me about three months to learn all the notes and be able to just get my hands around it. Get my hands around it. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, like a dick. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so it's taken me. It took me that long just to learn the notes, and then I kind of was like, okay, I can play it. But then I fell off a bit, and then I, like a month or so of not really practicing much at all, I came back to it and I started playing it with a metronome to make sure that I can actually play it through and a bit more evenly. And did that for a bit. I can play it almost the whole thing pretty consistently, except for there's two bars right at the end that are just so fucking hard. Um. I've realized recently that if I play it quieter, if I play it rather than trying to, because it's such an emotional song, um, peace song, music, it's such an emotional um, music that uh, I really want to push into it and, you know, give it more of my emotion. And I, basically, I think whatever I'm, what I'm doing every time I play the piano is I'm trying to make myself cry. And I just, I'm looking for a, a moment when I might, you know, because it's just nice to cry, but I never do because I'm not a pussy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm trying to give it so much. But the note, I can't remember what it is in the Italian, but at the start of the piece, he literally says, oh, sotto voce, which means like uh, half voice. So you're not actually supposed to put everything into it in the first section of the three sections. And I've realized that if I play it softly through the whole section, it's actually a lot more even and I can, it sounds better rather than me trying to always crescendo and decrescendo and push and try and put all this emotion into it. It, it like counterintuitively, I get, it, it is more emotive if I let the music speak for itself rather than me trying to speak through it. So I've been doing that. Does that make sense? And I feel like I've kind of turned a corner with it and the, the song is a lot better and I can also probably just from playing it more and practicing it, but I can play it more consistently all the way through and it just sounds fucking bad. I had a really good one today. It's still not quite there yet, but um, I, th- I really am genuinely thinking about buying a 
like an upright piano for like 2000 bucks just so I can play on a proper piano and I think it'll be better. I'm really noticing the clunkiness of this electric piano. Um, but I feel like, okay, I've knocked that one over and I can just kind of play it and it can gradually improve. So now I'm like, I'm playing uh, another Chopin Nocturne in E flat major, which that just kind of feels like a bit of a holding pattern, that piece, because it's not as hard and it's still going to take me ages to learn and I'm not going to be able to be good at it. What I'm not saying that it's too easy, it's fucking hard. But the next piece that I really want to play and I think maybe the end of the podcast this week, yeah. Um, I want to play this uh, piece called Liebestram by Franz Liszt and... Um, because I've been looking for another, I guess just, you know, I was trying to play this fucking one song. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was a little bit more kind of esoteric than um, the Chopin one, which is very rich and romantic and the resolutions of the chords are like really satisfying, which I like. And I thought, oh, why don't I play something that's a bit more challenging or whatever because I would like to develop my piano playing in a different direction rather than playing the same kinds of piece. I was trying to get in, the, like, remember what my teacher would have done when I was in school learning piano and she made me always learn different pieces to kind of develop my technique in different areas. But then I thought, am I doing that now or am I just playing for fun and, like, recreationally? And the answer is, yeah, I'm just doing, I'm just fucking around, man. I'm not trying to be some kind of cunt <laughs> god man i really feel like i'm not committing to very colorful explanations this week in contrasting with my shirt how's my fucking housemate today was like oh you're wearing a nice colorful shirt and i was like damn it i i guess my um metamorphosis into just like a depressed moth is is fucking complete if just like a little bit of pink in a shirt now suddenly strikes someone as like, oh, that's that's like a consequence that I didn't really foresee in the moment about a year ago when I decided that I was only going to wear blacks and whites and muted tones is um, that people would notice. And now they have and I'm a muted... Maybe in, maybe in like a year's time, I'm going to be dressing like a midlife crisis hippie mum with like bandanas and tie-dye and shit just to be like life is worth living <laughs> so um what was i saying yeah i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to get i mean i'm trying to get better at piano but i'm not trying to you know develop into like a classical pianist like professional whatever so um yeah, I'll just play bits that I'm enjoying. And so I've been kind of going through pieces, looking for something that grabbed me. And this one, Liebestram, really did. And I guess I'm not really like very well versed in um, the oeuvre of classical piano pieces or what people, what ones are well known or what people know or whatever. Um, but I feel like I'd never heard this one before, but I think actually it might be quite popular. But... Yeah, it's just fucking beautiful. And then I found this this guy called Lang Lang, who I never... You know what? Just like... All right, so this dude Lang Lang is some Chinese pianist and, and uh, he... This, the video, the, the song that I'm going to play out with this week, I know I said I would stop doing songs, but there haven't been any ads on my podcast yet, so I'm going to put another song this week. Um, the... Uh, and the song, so yeah, whatever. So the song that I'm going to play out with is this guy, Lang Lang. It's recorded in 2003. This dude in this, like playing this music is fucking 22 years old. 
and uh, look the video up if you want to, if you like the sound of the music when I play it at the end of this, look up the video on YouTube because it's him in uh, in Carnegie Hall and let me just, yeah, he's in Carnegie Hall playing and it looks like he's doing an encore because he comes back out and everyone's kind of moving around the theatre so it looks like he's just done a performance. So it's like, it's the last song that he's going to play which makes it extra fucking good. And um, he just his expressions playing the song and the song is i mean it is beautiful if you don't like this song you're a fucking piece of shit that's how i feel about it and his facial expressions it's like he is enjoying it with you and i mean it's just the the technique that he has and like the you know he's so comfortable playing this incredibly technically difficult piece of music that he is able to just sit there and like wow like raise his eyebrows oh and enjoy the chord res- resolutions and everything with you it looks like he's enjoying it more which is also so impressive because he fucking has played it so many times cuz he can play it like perfectly so he's clearly practiced it that often but he's not sick of it he's still discovering it in front of a fucking thousands of people or however the fuck many people can fit in carnegie hall oh god it's it's beautiful it's beautiful and um it also made me confront a little bit of my past racism i reckon because i remembered being a precocious self-important teenager and this, I think, was just a way of denying the fact that I wasn't going to be the best pianist in the world because genuinely, as a teenager, I think I I actually thought that that was like a future for me. I genuinely was like, you know what? And so, All right, so the narrative I had in my head was I used to say like, oh, God, this is so awful. <clears throat> I used to say... Um, I don't know if I ever said this to anyone, but I definitely said it to myself that like uh, these like Asian pianists, you know, they're good. They're like technically good, but they're kind of robotic in the way that they play and there's not a lot of feeling in there. That's what I, that was the narrative that I committed to as a teenager to explain away the fact that I would watch a video of some Chinese kid. It may have even been Lang Lang that I was watching back then. If he was 22 in 2003 and I was, what, 18 in 2009? God, I hate that I thought this, but I did. And that's why I'm saying it because I want to admit it and I want to be accountable to my actions and my prejudice and I want to be better and improve. Um, yeah, I genuinely was like, they, they have the technique, but they don't have the... And it's kind of robotic. That was what I used to think just because... That was my way of rationalizing. Like they can play a thing that I can't play, but I reckon I play more emotionally. It's like, no, I can't. You're just fucking 16 and, you know, <laughs> like, and you have a crush on a girl. <laughs> just because uh, just because you didn't see a video of, of, of Lang Lang fucking you know having a bad conversation with his ex-girlfriend and then throwing the phone across the room you think that he has no emotions he's got fucking heaps of emotions look at his face when he plays Liebestrom which by the way is German for love dream anyway that's the song that's coming up right now I'm racist thank you guys very much for listening this has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree peace